Good morning, everyone. And good morning at, uh, for those who are at the hub as well. It's uh, great to be here. Uh, you know, it's a blessing to be welcomed by a pastor, a long-time pastor of yours. I'm so glad to be able to be welcomed by my pastor, uh, Pastor Lee. Uh, and I want to thank all of you for having me here. Uh, you know, having me here for a number of times now, uh, for annual conferences, for pastor fellowship. I'm always grateful and thankful for all the hospitality and care that we always get as pastors you know, here. Uh, and I want to thank your leaders and staff you know, for always taking so good care of us as pastors. So thank you very much. Uh, today is Trek Conference Sunday, and so I bring greetings to you not just from Wesley Methodist Church, but also from our Trek President, Reverend Dr. Gordon Wong, and all our 20 other sister track churches as well. And when I knew I would be preaching here, I've also been asking Pastor Stanley, whom you know very well, uh, and uh, who is now at Wesley, of course, for some tips. And he too sends his warmest greetings and regards to all of you. You know, he, he warmly, he warmly well, uh, remembers all of you. And uh, even after two years in the US, he has not put on much weight. He's still as lean and as fit as ever, you know, just for your information in case you want to know. Um, uh, I'm thankful uh, for the privilege of being able to come here and to bring God's Word uh, to all of you. And all the preachers in all the various track churches are all preaching from the same text today, from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11, on the theme of witness. It is a symbol of our unity in Christ, when we all preach in the same text using the same theme. Uh, as another symbolic act of our unity within a conference, all the churches will also be reciting this short little prayer, uh, which is taken from our Methodist hymnal, uh, United Methodist hymnal, UMH 564. Uh, and this little prayer is entitled, For the Unity of Christ's Body. For the Unity of Christ's Body. And so, let us pray together this uh, prayer, which is found in the Methodist hymnal 564, shall we? Okay. Help each of us, gracious God, to live in such magnanimity and restraint that a head of the church may never have cause to say to any of us, this is my body broken by you. Amen. So let us continue in this posture of prayer, shall we? Let us pray. And Lord, we ask of you this morning, even as we gather together to listen to your word, speak to us, O Lord, we pray. Grant us ears that will hear, minds that will comprehend, and hearts that will respond to you. Lord, I pray that you hide me behind your cross, so that all might see you, hear you, and respond to you and you alone. Thank you, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, back in the 1980s, there was a song that shot up the billboard charts because it had a catchy tune, simple lyrics, and was sung by this handsome young man who shot up to immediate fame because of the back of this one song. And I shared the song with a congregation at a wedding recently, and I was surprised that some of the young people in our midst actually knew the song. Apparently, the song is now making a comeback on the internet. Uh, and some of you, uh, especially those around my age, you probably know the song, uh, so feel free to sing along, and the song goes like this. We are no strangers to love, 
You know the rules, and so do I. A full commitment's what I'm thinking of. You wouldn't get it from any other guy. I just wanna tell you how I'm feeling. Gotta make you understand all together. Never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down, never gonna run around and desert you, never gonna make you cry, never gonna say goodbye, never gonna tell a lie and hurt you. I see that some people who are around my age here in this sanctuary. And this song is sung none other by Rick Astley, that's right, Rick Astley. You know, Rick Astley, who to me is a one hit wonder. Right, one hit wonder because I seriously cannot remember what other songs he sang. Can, 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 can you remember what other songs he sang? Any, anyone? No, right? Cannot remember, right? Uh, one, one, one of your uh, fellow church members came up to me after the earlier service and said uh, about this other song and I cannot even remember the title now. Yeah. So to me, he's a one hit wonder because I cannot remember what other songs he sang. But he made his millions off the back of this one song. Never going to give you up, right? And the best part about this song has got to be the MTV, where Rick Astley, right from the start, he was making this 1980s dance move. Do you remember that? Yeah, I know some will call it retro, others will call it orbit, you know? But we all loved it when we watched the MTV, you know, because it was like, so cool, this young man, this young guy, right? But apparently this is how the song is making a comeback amongst the youth nowadays people would super reimpose the song Never Gonna Give You Up onto their own videos and make the videos look really, really funny. Just Google Rick Rolling and you'll see what I mean. Don't do it now, do it after the service. And after reading today's scripture text, right, I wanted to myself, you know, if this song had been around during the disciples' time, would they have thought about it? Would they have thought and asked Jesus, Lord, I thought you said Never Gonna Give You Up, Never Gonna Give Us Up. And now that you are returning to heaven, what about the kingdom of God that you were saying that you're going to restore? But now you are returning to, to heaven and the kingdom of God is not even seen yet. Are you going to give us up and return to heaven on your own? What about us? And that was probably the reason why they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? They are in essence asking, Lord, are you leaving us behind? Show us the purpose for which you called us together as your disciples. You were with us for the past three and a half years and now you are leaving us? Is this when you restore the kingdom? Let us now see how Jesus answers them. As we look at Acts chapter 1, verse 6 to 11. And as the people of God, it is good for us to read the word of God together as the people of God. So let us read the word of God together, shall we? One, two, three. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? 
This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, you could see straight away, right, what the disciples were thinking. Okay, Jesus, you have been training us for the past three and a half years. We have seen your power at work and that has drawn crowds of people who have come after you. You have been crucified and through that you have said, know that you will save the world. And behold, you rose again, and you have proved your words to be right. And now you say you are going to return to heaven. Surely then, you are going to save the world right now, right? Before you return to heaven. Surely then, Lord, this is the time you will restore the, the kingdom of Israel, right? Isn't it right now? And what the disciples were asking for was something deeply ingrained in their contemporary culture. They wanted the rise of a Messiah, the earthly kingly, leader kind of army kind of Messiah who will rise up against the Roman Empire and restore the kingdom of Israel. And many before, like the Maccabees, and many after, like the ones who ultimately led to the destruction of the Second Temple, have culturally and politically come and gone. But Jesus' reply was counter-cultural. You'll notice that Jesus did not say, no, The kingdom of Israel will not be restored. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said three things instead. Jesus said, one, it is not for you to know the times and the days, the periods. Number two, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And number three, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what Jesus is saying is this, that firstly, yes, there will be a restoration of the kingdom. But you need not know when. The timing need not concern you. What is important for you is this, that you do what I'm telling you to do now. And number two, you will be the ones whom I will use to restore the kingdom. You will receive power from on high to help you to do so. And that is important, that the disciples began that work of the restoration of the kingdom of God, not by their own strength, but by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And three, the work the mandate, the restoration of the kingdom of God that the disciples are called to do will be done not by raising an army, not by force, but counterculturally, by loving, by witnessing. And that will be the purpose of the disciples. That will be the purpose of the church, to witness. That will be the life of the church. And that is what the disciples and the church are called to do and to be to go forth to the ends of the earth to do so, to be God's witnesses. And in in knowing this, one such person in our own time, Bruce Smith, did exactly that, to go to the ends of the earth to be God's witnesses. He went to a Ugandan valley as a missionary to begin a new work amongst an unreached people group. And he wanted to buy just three acres of land for that work from this tribe called the Karamonjong tribe. The Karamojong tribe is one of the most feared tribes in all of East Africa. And so when he came to the chieftain of the Karamojong tribe, the chieftain asked him, Why are you here and what do you want? And so Bruce bravely replied that he was in a valley because of two great things. Number one, the great commission. And number two, the great commandment. And so he explained that Jesus had had given the great commission to all the disciples to go to all the world 
and to tell the good news of salvation to all the people. And then he said this, that, all, that Jesus also gave the great commandment, which is to love God with all our hearts and then to love our neighbours as ourselves. You know, at this, the Karamunjong chieftain suddenly laughed and he replied, We are the most despised tribe in all Uganda. There is not a neighbouring tribe that borders with the Karamunjong because they all do not like us. Because there's no neighbour who is with us who hasn't had their cattle stolen, their women raped, and their men murdered by us. And Bruce simply replied to him saying this, But I want to be your neighbour. Moved by this answer, the chieftain went on to say, But nobody wants to be our neighbour. We can't believe you want to be our neighbour. And this tribe, ultimately moved by Bruce's answer, ultimately gave not so, but gave not just three acres, but 30 acres of land for this new mission work. All because Bruce bravely went in pursuit of fulfilling the purpose of the church. And that is to witness the love of Christ to a people whom people do not even want to live near to. Bruce went to witness of God's love to them and in return experience a love that comes from them. But not just a purpose for which we are to fulfill as the people of God. Uniquely for us, witnessing is not just a purpose. It is not just what we are called to do. It is also what we are called to be as the people of God. For you see, I think the disciples understood the word witness deeper than how we normally would understand it. We understand many a times the word witness as simply telling. You know, witness equals telling. But I think the disciples understood witness not just as telling, but also perhaps more so as demonstrating. Being who they are. For I think they would have vividly remembered the final words of Jesus at the Last Supper just before he went to the cross. After Jesus had discipled them for three and a half years, in his last words to them, just before he went to the cross to die for them, and so surely, these were the most important words that he wanted to say to them before he went to die. And they must have remembered Jesus telling them in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. He said this to them, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. By this, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so for the disciples, perhaps foremost on their minds, when they heard Jesus say the words, you will be my witnesses, they understood it quickly as we will do so. We will be your witnesses by our love for one another. By this, all people will know that we are the disciples of Christ when we love one another. We will become the witnesses when we love one another. And that is why you see in Acts chapter 2, straight after the Pentecost, it is recorded that the people of God did just that, living together, loving each other, and helping each other through thick and thin in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had in need. They helped each other. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, the people of God knew that it was through their lives, the way they lived, the way they loved each other, that they would become the witnesses for Christ. People will be drawn to the kind of community. People will be drawn to the kind of love that people experience when they see the people of God coming together like this. That is the life of the church that they are witnessing to people. And that is why as a conference, we too selected these verses as our track quadrennium vision four years ago and coined as our vision's tagline these words for us to stay on track together for God's word, worship, welcome, witness and wonder. Because by doing so, as the people who are doing life together, we witness to God's love amongst us through the good times and through the difficult times. Just as the early church went through the good times and the difficult times of persecution as well. We continue to witness to God's love amongst us. And through that, others will see that there is a genuine love from God that is shared amongst the people of God gathered here. And this is what happened three years ago during a difficult time of a good friend of my wife and I. And I got her permission to share this with all of you. You know, this good friend of ours had migrated overseas with her friend, with her, not a friend, her husband. And uh, she emailed us three years ago asking us to pray for her because she was pregnant with her third child, but doctors have detected a condition in the baby. Her baby had trisomy 18. And the doctors amongst us would know that trisomy babies have a condition in their hearts, and most of them do not survive to full term. And even if they do, most do not survive beyond three days of their birth. And so the doctors advised them abortion. But this godly couple wanted to give the baby the best that they could. And so they got together all their friends to pray. And they went from hospital to hospital where they are. All the hospitals told them to abort. And even if they chose to keep the baby, that day the hospital would not render anything beyond basic care for the baby. Because it was just hopeless. But the people of God came together and continued to pray. There were those of us who Skyped the couple. We prayed with them. We cried with them. We saw how difficult the situation was. But the couple continued to hold on with hope. Finally, a hospital was willing to give the best they could for the baby. If she survived till full term. A little light in the midst of darkness. And when the when the girl was finally born, we saw the smiles on her face through WhatsApp. We saw a video of her opening her eyes and she just melted our hearts for how beautiful she was. Hope against hope, miracle against miracle, she fought hard, lived beyond the prognosis of three days and survived for 15 days before being called home to the Lord. And at the funeral, her mother, our good friend, read out these words. Letter to my little girl. My sweet little girl. What a journey you have brought mommy and daddy through in the past five months. From the time we found out you probably had trisomy 18, we have been told over and over again there was no hope for you. We were told you may not survive to full term. We were told you had a 50% chance of being born alive. And then we were told that you will not live past three days, even if born alive. That didn't matter to us, because you are our child, and we decided to give you your best chance at life. 
You proved all the experts wrong with your fighting spirit. You were so small and so fragile, but your will to live was a lesson to us. You fought back from the brink of death four times, and mummy saw the determination in your eyes. Trisomy 18 did not take that away from you. You hung on until you got home, to the place where we had many intimate days and hours with you, still in mummy's tummy, where your big sister and big brother played with you, listened to you with their ear to mummy's tummy, sang songs to you, played hagi with you, and now they can only play hagi with you when we see you again in heaven. Oh, how I long to hold you longer, but we have already been blessed by having you to hold and to love for 15 days. We may never know why God gave us to you only to take you away from us so soon, but we know that in this short 15 days and before, you have brought many people together from across the world to return to God on their knees to pray. You have shown the doctors the statistics and probabilities under be all and end all. You have fought for the right to be treated as a person and not as a diagnosis. You have been mummy's brave little girl and I'm so proud of you for that. Your journey and your fight has paved the way for other little trisomy babies to be given a chance at life. Your life hasn't been in vain because you have started a little ripple in the medical system with regard to the way to treat children with a life-limiting condition. My little child, in the past 15 days, Mummy and Daddy have walked through the darkest moments of our lives, but have also experienced much joy and moments of triumph. Our arms ache to hold you again, but we have surrendered you into the safe and everlasting arms of Jesus. And we know without a shadow of doubt that we will one day see you and hold you again in heaven, where you will have a perfected body. Wait for us. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day in heaven. So don't worry. You won't have to wait too long. We will always love you, little one. Goodbye, and until we meet again. You know, even in such difficult times, there is a community of love that comes together to witness to the love and care that God brings to the people of God and through the people of God. And the couple has shared of how the medical staff as well as their friends all around the world have seen and witnessed God's grace and love as they saw how the people of God prayed and cried and how the family themselves have remained strong through this difficult time. This is what it means to be a family of God coming together, to be the people of God called to be one for another, there with each other. And possibly even in our difficult times, that is true, that is precisely when God's love will shine through the people of God and people will catch a glimpse that there is light in the midst of darkness, even through the people of God who are gathered together. That's what we are called to be, a people of God who lives God's love amongst us, even in the midst of darkness. It is how we live. It is our life. And we become witnesses of Christ because of that. The life of the church as witnesses for Him. And others will catch a glimpse and desire, perhaps, that love of Christ for their own lives as well. And when they do so, perhaps, there will come a time when we are able to witness the person, Jesus Christ Himself, to them. For empowered by the Holy Spirit, that is what Peter began to do as well. When they saw the power of Jesus through Peter, through the lives that the church lived, 
first in Acts chapter 2, and then to Pentecost, and then at Acts chapter 3, at the temple steps, when, Jesus, when Peter healed the lame man, then Peter began to proclaim the name of Jesus. There on the temple steps in Acts chapter 3, Peter healed the lame man who was begging for alms. And then Peter proclaimed in the name of Jesus. Peter began to witness the name of Jesus when they saw that Jesus had begun to work in the power of somebody else. And I was there in Jerusalem two years ago, sitting at possibly where Peter had healed the lame man 2,000 years ago. And the tour guide said that this must be the only miracle in all of Christian history where a person had asked for alms and had received legs instead. And so to receive legs when he was asking for alms, you know, was great miracle indeed. And Peter declared it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Peter began then to proclaim the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, wherever he went. And I know that sometimes proclaiming the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, can be a scary thing for us. To proclaim Jesus to my friends, to my colleagues. Wow, you know, pastor, that may... If I do that to my colleagues on Monday, tomorrow, they may think I've become some fanatic, you know, some crazy person, you know. I, I don't think I can do it. You know, and perhaps sometimes we are fearful because we think that witnessing means we must whip out a tract and share the four spiritual laws. And some of us, perhaps, may have to do so when the other person is ready and be able to share with them how to pray to receive Christ. But most of the time, it is as simple as sharing how God has been so real to you in your own life. I remember when I was still working in HP Hewlett Packard a number of years ago, my boss's secretary was this elderly lady who will once in a while share of how real God uh, was to her uh, that morning as she came to, ch- as she came to work. Uh, she'll be speaking to some of us and then she will say, and you know, uh, this morning, you know, I arrived at my bus stop a little late, you know, and I saw the bus in front and you know, I was running after it. Ayo, you know, I saw already, so twan, you know, when I run, you know. So I, I, I pray to God, God, please let the bus driver see me in the mirror, okay, so that he can wait for me. And you know, the bus driver really waited for me, you know. You see, God is so good, right? And so but just by sharing simply how real God was to her, you just cannot help but sense from her that God is real. And God does listen to the prayers of the people. So witness. Witness the person of Christ and how real He is to you through the good times and through the bad times. Through that witnessing, perhaps God will bring that person to be able to catch a glimpse of the reality of God in your life. But perhaps you may still feel as if, you know, it's still very difficult. I'm, I'm, I'm not up to it, you know. And sometimes we can feel like that, isn't it? Sometimes you can feel as if, how, how am I going to answer questions if they ask me, you know, about, about, about the Bible? I wouldn't know what to answer. And sometimes perhaps you can you, you, you just feel as if you are already running on empty. Perhaps there's nothing inside of you to be able to even give or share, let alone love someone. How am I going to witness if I feel like that on the inside? How then can I even witness? Well, I was on a bus a few months ago on my way to church when I vividly remember smelling this strong whiff of perfume coming over me. And a few minutes later, I started to develop this massive headache. And I began to feel nauseous. 
and thinking that, okay, I better not puke on the bus, because I mean, you know, the smell of perfume and the smell of puke don't really go well in a bus. And so I, I, I wanted to get off the bus, and uh, as I wanted to get off the bus, I nearly fell in the process. But off the bus, I got, uh, and I called my wife, who came to rescue me, and we went to see a doctor. The doctor thought it was probably migraine, uh, migraine attack, but he referred me to see a neurologist, just in case. So one thing led to another, and the neurologist sent me for a brain scan. A brain scan, all because of a perfume. Yeah. When the results came back, there in the SGH specialist clinic, with two, three uh, trainee doctors sitting next to him, the neurologist looked at the results, and he looked at me blankly, and he said to me, as a matter of, uh, in, a, in a matter of factly way, and he said to me, your brain, uh, there's uh, nothing inside. <laughs> so on the one hand, uh, I was certainly relieved that there's nothing inside my brain. On the other hand, it got me thinking, oh, I really should start praying for at least some wisdom to go in, you know. You know, it, it does feel a bit empty sometimes on the inside, you know. Uh, but it also reminded me that because Jesus had said, you know, in this passage, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that source of that power to be God's witnesses comes from God Himself. And we can pray, therefore, to ask God to give us the power to fill us from the inside out. Even if we feel empty, even if we feel weak, even if we feel powerless, we can ask God to fill us with that power, to enable us to be able to be His witnesses. That even when we feel on the empty, even when we feel don't up, not up to it, even when we feel weak and inadequate, we can still pray. We can still ask for His power to enable us to witness. For that is the promise from Christ Himself, a promise of His power at work in us, even when we think we are weak. So, let us go forth. Let us go forth and pray as we go, for God to empower us to be His witnesses. For that is our purpose. As a people living together, loving one another. For the person of Christ. Receiving power from the Holy Spirit Himself. To be able to be His witnesses. For that is the life of the church. In closing, let me share a story of how I read of how one man became a witness for God's love to someone else by simply extending a hand to help. A few years ago, a group of salesmen went to a regional sales convention in Chicago. They were rushing to catch their flight, and one of these salesmen accidentally kicked over a table which held a display of apples. And these apples flew everywhere. And without stopping or even looking back, they all rushed off and they wanted to catch their plane. All but one of these salesmen went off. And one of them turned back he paused, he took a deep breath, and he felt the sense of guilt coming over him. He remembered that counter girl who had watched helplessly as the apples flew all over the floor. He told his buddies to go on without him, he waved goodbye to them, and he returned to the terminal where the apples were still all over the floor. And he was glad he did. The 16-year-old girl was totally blind. And there she was, softly crying, tears running down her cheeks in frustration, and at the same time, helplessly trying to recover her apples as the crowd swirled around her with no one stopping to help her at all. And so the salesman knelt down on the floor with her, gathered the apples, put them back on the table, and helped her to organize the display. And as he did this, 
he noticed that many of the apples had become battered and bruised, and so these he set aside in another basket. When he had finished, he pulled out his wallet, and he said to the girl, Here, please take this $40 for the damage that we did. Are you okay? She nodded through her tears, and he said to her, I hope we didn't spoil your day too badly. And as the salesman began to walk away, the blind girl called out to him and asked, Mister, he paused, he turned back and to look at her, and she continued, Are you Jesus? she asked. He stopped in mid-stride. He went back and he said gently, No, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing like Jesus. Jesus is good, kind, caring, loving. And Jesus would have never bumped into your display in the first place. And the girl gently nodded and said, You know, I only asked because I had prayed for Jesus to help me to gather the apples. And he sent you to help me. So you are like him. Thank you for hearing his call, mister. And then slowly, the salesman made his way to catch the later flight. But still with that question burning and bouncing about in his mind. Are you Jesus? How about you? Will you be as Jesus to someone today and this week just by lending a hand, just by doing a loving act, just by being God's witness? For that is the life of the church. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we want to come before you to thank you for the great privilege of being your witness. For, O oh Lord, it is only because we have experienced your love in a very special way that we are even able to love others, that we are even able to demonstrate that love to others by loving one another. And so, Lord, we want to thank you first for your love amongst us. And we pray, O Lord, that even as we submit ourselves to you, empower us, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit to be able to love, love you, love one another, and to love others. Not by our own strength, O Lord, we pray, for we are weak, we are inadequate, but by the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, give us your strength, so that it is through your strength we are able to love as you love us. Thank you, O Lord. Thank you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.